And something else, the, the Lord was just kind of speaking as we were in worship, and I've just been feeling it this year. Um, this is only my second year here, so I don't have a lot of, you know, I haven't been here for the whole history of the movement, but um, I've just been feeling like this year there's a tangible difference than last year. I don't know if some of us are new, which is awesome. We love you guys. Welcome to the family. And for those of us who have been here for maybe a couple years uh, or even just two, like, I feel like this year there is a tangible difference, and the Lord is, I don't know what it is yet, but the Lord is up to something. Like, he's doing something here. Um, and I felt like earlier um, in a kind of a prayer session we were having as a staff a couple weeks ago that the Lord was just saying, like, man, our, our gatherings might not continue to grow in size, but he's going to take us into deeper depths than, like, we could have ever imagined. And that there's a depth and a relationship and a confidence in who we are and who he is that he wants to give us this year. Um, and even as we were praying uh, as we're worshiping with Rachel's word of like, God, search me. Like, I want to know the areas of my heart. I want you to know everything. I want to give it all to you. I felt like the Lord was saying over the room, would you take responsibility for the move of God that's happening? here? Like personal responsibility for the move of God that's happening in this community and in this family. Um, because God is clearly up to something in Grand Rapids. I don't know, you guys, I'm from Minnesota, and this place is wild. Like, you guys are crazy awesome. Like, this doesn't, this community just doesn't happen everywhere. Like, there's pockets, and we've met them, and we're family with them, too. But this, this community is crazy, crazy for the Lord. And God is doing something through each and every single one of us. And he reminded me, you know, so often it's really easy to rely on our leaders um, to, to kind of push the movement forward, to kind of carry the revival, and we just kind of like follow on behind, like cheering and yelling Jesus, so we're a part of something. But he reminded me just even of like Jesus feeding the 5,000, and that without that boy offering up what seemed like nothing, all he had to offer was, I don't even know the number, lo loaves and fishes. He had some loaves and some fishes, a small number that didn't seem like it was anything important. Like the Lord did a crazy wild miracle through his obedience, and so Man, would part of tonight be you asking the Lord, like, what is that little piece that I have as a part to play in what you're doing here in Grand Rapids or here in this movement? Or honestly, just even in the, the mission that he has given the body of Christ to go make disciples and to tell people about his love. And so I just felt like that was something he was inviting us into. Um, but tonight, um, I've been having uh, a newer experience over the past year. I have been um, kind of like learning more of like what it looks like to pray uh, for deliverance for people. And you guys are like, oh my gosh, he's going to give a sermon on deliverance. <laughs> That's not where we're going. I just, I just connect to our boss. But it's been really cool. Uh, for those of you guys, deliverance, like praying against demonic oppression over people, it's real, it's crazy, and it shows the power of God to people who don't fully know him or sometimes are struggling with uh, the oppression of the enemy and find freedom in Jesus. Um, and if you have questions, we can talk more about it. I'll tell you what I've learned. I don't know everything. Um, but as I've been learning and like just going after praying for freedom over just people this summer on tour and even being back here. It's been so crazy. I was I was telling my wife, Bree, the other day that, um, yeah, anyway, so I was just talking to her and I was like, man, I feel like I have, there's like nowhere else I hear the voice of the Lord more clearly than like in a moment where I'm praying for deliverance over someone. And I was just like asking God, I was like, dude, why? Like, why is that? Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, but I've just like, there's been moments where I just like hear like multiple things in a row that are so specific, like prophetic things. I've never heard, like, that's just not been an experience of mine. Um, and the Lord was just like, dude, it's because like, you're so out of your depth in those moments that like, you have no 
where to turn but to my voice. Like I don't have any experience or talent or like I can't go, you know, delivering people with my good charm and charisma. Like it is all it is all the Holy Spirit, right? And so he just like convicted me of like, man, why isn't why am I not like that in all the other areas of my life? And so today, tonight comes from that place, honestly. It comes from a place of like, all right, God, I, I, I don't mind speaking in front of people. I don't get nervous. Like, it's fine. But I'm going to, like, put all of those, like, personal, my personality and talents aside. And I want to hear what you have to say. And I'm just going to share that. Because what's fun about this space is, although I have a mic and you guys are sitting in chairs, like, like it just feels like I'm sharing what God's telling me with my family. Like, that's what it feels like. It's not, it's not like a sermon that I'm giving, but it's like, hey, God has been teaching me this, and I feel like he wants to teach us as a community this, too. Um, and so we're going to dive in. I feel like what the Lord, if I had to give, like, an overview of what I feel like the Lord was saying, I just kind of felt like he was saying, like, conviction isn't the victory. Transformation is the victory. And so that's what we're going to go into. Um, and so if you want to open up your Bibles, if you got it, or your iPhone Bibles or Android, for those of you who will pray for. Um, <laughs> Isaiah 66, 2, 1 and 2. Isaiah 66, I want someone to read it. I saw Jonah do that, and that was fun. So if you get there and you're a bold lover of Jesus who wants to read the Bible in front of a room of people, yes, I saw a hand. You're there? Yeah. Okay, shout it out. And you want the whole thing? 66, 1 and 2. 1 and 2, okay. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. Sweet. Thank you. That's awesome. Um... 66, 1 and 2, I'm just going to reread part of verse 2. It says, I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. And I just felt like God is asking, like, man, are we people who genuinely tremble at his word? And like, what? Maybe we're not. And I'm going to say, I'm going to assume that we're not fully those people because I know I'm not. I know when I was reading this, I was like, man. Like, I don't know if I'm someone who I hear the word of God or I read it and I like physically tremble from the weight and the power that it holds. And it brings me kind of back to a question that the Lord has been like in a really annoying, fruitful, awesome way, continually like just been putting on my heart. He's like, Peyton, do you believe I am who you who I say I am? Like, do you genuinely believe that I am who I say I am? Because so often I feel like we we come to Sunday nights, or maybe we go to Met by Love on Monday nights, and you know we, man, we repent for something, or we, we we were praying, or asking God, and we're just asking Him to you know like do make a move in this area of my life, or do this in my life, and we have this awesome moment of, of spiritual experience, um, and we have a time with the Lord, and then we go home, and then nothing nothing changes. We go home and watch. Sunday night football, and then we kind of wake up the next day, and like we remember that awesome moment we have, but it doesn't really hold much weight in our life anymore. And we go throughout kind of our week or a couple weeks, and then we come, you know, we're like, oh, I'm going to go back to Sunday nights and talk to Jesus. So then we go back to Sunday night, and we, we, we have another moment with the Lord, and it's the same moment we had a couple weeks ago, but then the same thing happens. And it's just kind of like this cycle that we go through. And I, and I found so often in my life, like that was just what I was doing, especially like one, two years ago, I was just like, struggling in sin, 
struggling in even just like my diligence and spending time with the Lord. I would ask God. I would kind of feel good about a moment I had with him. But nothing would ever change outside of those moments other than like maybe just a little bit. And so I think something the Lord is saying um, is especially even in this community that we have, which is so awesome. Sometimes we settle for, for the conviction that we, we feel at the altar instead of the transformation that has to happen after we leave. Sometimes we, we maybe just feel good about the fact that we know what we're doing isn't right. We know what we're doing. Maybe It's not even maybe not right, but it's not what's best. It's what Brendan was talking about last week. It might be good. Netflix isn't bad, but it's not maybe what's best. Maybe it's distracting you from time with Jesus. And so, you know, we have these, this is super fun. The Lord was, was giving me these, like, phrases that we say here. Uh, if you're from here, you know. And this is obviously maybe also kind of common in other ways. But, like, so often we're like, bro, oh, just wrecked me. I just wrecked that sermon. Dude, Brendan, just wrecked me. All right. That's a, that's a good one. Or, or this, is, this is one. We say this on tour and people are like, what are they talking about? Like, dude, I was so marked. I was just so marked by that, that word. The Lord just marked me tonight. Or this is another one. This is a good one. This is, this is a good one. They're just like, oh, man, the Holy Spirit just hit me tonight. Just hit me. And the Lord, when I was like hearing these things, he's like, did it really? Like, did, were you really marked by that? Like, were you, were, you, were you really wrecked? Did it really hit you? And he gave me this picture because it's like, when you get hit by something, most of the time, it leaves a physical mark or bruise, a scar, a wound, right? Oh, wow. and, and, and then it would be dumb if you went into the same scenario having that mark, bruise, or scar and allowed the same thing to happen to you, right? That, that, would, that would make no sense because you should have learned from the mark, you should have learned from the wound or the scar that you still carry that, that that experience was not right. That experience was not what was for you or not the best thing for you. And so often we say these things and we, we get really comfortable in the conviction, but we, we, we lack the diligence and discipline to see transformation actually happen in our lives. We kind of allow the Lord to convict us and then we kind of sit there and wait for him to like change things. Like, okay, God, you convicted me. Can you do the rest? Like, can you make my life completely how it's supposed to in the Bible, right? And so I, I feel like I feel like the Lord is just saying, he's like, man, I, I really want to go after people's belief in me tonight. And not in this terms of like, you're not a Christian, I'm going to like condemn, like that's not what he wants. But I really want us to sit. It's, it's so cool. Rachel was telling me, like, oh, so the Lord's saying, I'm like, yeah, I know, because this is what he said to me. And now you're saying it, so he's doing something. If you're not paying attention, wake up, because it's probably for you. Um, but I just feel like the Lord is saying, I want to go after their beliefs tonight. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures is in John 8. Um, and it's at the end. It's, it's the woman who's caught in adultery, right? At the very end, you know, they bring out, they want to stone her. They're trying to trap Jesus. Jesus is a baller, and they all walk away and drop their stones, convicted of their own sin. And Jesus is with this woman who's just, like, in the middle of the square. And he, he basically says, like, where are your accusers? There's none of them. He says, go and sin no more. And I, do you think he would have said that if it wasn't possible? I mean, at that point, like, the Holy Spirit hadn't even come down yet. And Jesus is telling people Go and sin no more. Not be convicted by your sin. I'll see you next Sunday. Right? 
He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, be convicted, try your best, and come back for another good experience at worship next week. He says, go and sin no more. He says, be transformed by the renewing, right? And so we love these verses, and we love to put them on our walls in cursive. We love to, to give them, you know, tell them to our friends who are you know, in a hard situation. And then we love to forget them when they actually apply to us. We love to forget them when they apply to our lives. And I, I trust me, guys, I'm talking to myself. Like, I, I was just getting so convicted as I was like, hearing from the Lord. I'm like, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do this. And so I'm speaking to myself. And so the first thing that I think the Lord wants to do tonight for us is to help us identify those areas of our lives that maybe we have gotten more comfortable in his conviction and not allowed him to truly transform those areas. Because we can't step into freedom or transformation with the Lord if we have, what Rachel was saying, if we have too much pride to allow him into those areas. And so that's step one. Um, and I felt like the Lord wanted to, to kind of give us a step to give us some actual practical things that when we walk out of these doors, we have some offensive weapons that we can use to fight the apathy that maybe we've so often felt in our lives. And so these are two things that for me in my life have done the most to transform what my intimacy with Jesus looks like. Because ultimately, like when we talk about everything, even when we talk about holiness last week, we talk about everything up here. Honestly, it's all void without understanding intimacy with Jesus. Yeah. Right? If you're not spending time, if we're not spending time intimately with the king, we can't hear from him. We're not going to recognize his voice. We're not going to understand the depths, the greatness that he is. Like, I'll tell you for a moment, I mean, I got married in August. I went on tour. I full time. Like, it was so, like, my life is awesome. Okay? And there was a moment after my wedding. There was a moment after my wedding when I said to myself, I was like, man, all of these things are so cool. But there is truly nothing that compares to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. And, and, and that's where it's like, okay, man. Am I going to go after this? Am I going to truly believe this? Or am I going to allow myself to get distracted by the things of the world or distracted by the things in my life that maybe aren't bad but aren't too good for me either, that aren't what I was made for? And so there's two things I want to share, um, two things in my life that I have tried my best and I've continually practiced. And the more that I've done them, the more that the Lord has allowed me to find transformation in areas of my life. And so the first one, um, I want us to go to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. That's some Old Testament scripture today. A lot of Old Testament Come scripture. Come on. Old Covenant. All right. Let's see. I'm going to go Exodus 33. We'll just go to verse 7. So this is coming right off of, uh, if you grew up in, in uh, Sunday school, you maybe saw a cartoon about a golden calf, you know, like a golden calf. Israel's worship day was really bad. This is right after that. Um, and so the Israelites and Moses, they're, they're with Moses. Moses is a leader. And it says in Exodus 33, verse 7, it says, Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp at a distance from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down 
and remain at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses. As the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance of the tent, they would stand up and bow and worship each one at the door of his own tent. The Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young, his young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave when he was inside the tent. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me to lead these people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in me. Now, if I indeed have found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And so there's a couple of things in here that I, I feel like the Lord was highlighting. One, and this is something that honestly like, has been kind of burning on my heart for the past like year or so, and the Lord has been bringing me back to this scripture. Honestly, I tried to avoid talking about this tonight because I talk about it a lot whenever I'm like talking in front of people. And so I was like, that's, I want something new. That's like, I already talk about that. But I think he, he wants to do something with this tonight because I truly do believe it is like a pivotal piece of what it looks like and what I have found in, uh, in, in consistent intimacy with Jesus and consistent times with Jesus. One, pretty obvious. So Moses, he pitches a tent to be with God. Right? You see that? We can discern that. All right. He pitches a tent to be with God. He, he pitches a, a place, a tent that is outside the camp to be with God. And honestly, in, in past sermons or whatever you want to call them, times I've spoken about this, I, I give the outside the tent. He gives it outside camp so that it's like away from distractions. So that I can be like really spiritual about it. That's wrong, actually. The Lord convicted me. I did some more research about why the, the tent was outside the camp. It's not so that Moses wouldn't be distracted. It's because it symbolizes the fact that because of the golden calf, because of the idol worship, God is at this point kind of separated from the Israelites. Yeah. Right? So the, the tent is outside of camp because God can't dwell in their camp because they have been bad. Um, and so Moses puts this place outside of camp. It's his tent. And then he goes there to meet with God. And I think, so often we skip over pieces of scripture, right? And it says, he meets with him face to face, like you were with a friend. Raise your hand if you've done that. Oh, gosh, I wish there was one of you. That would be awesome. How, like, how crazy would it be to meet face to face with God? Like, I talked to Nick. Like, me and God are watching Thursday Night Football. Like, that would be wild. And Moses, it says he, he created, Moses created a space where he could do that with God. Where he could be face to face with God. And, and what's also so poignant about this is that, you know, Moses goes to the tent of meeting to meet with God. And a lot of times we see him go up onto the mountaintop, like when he receives the Ten Commandments. Commandments, commandments. Um, and and when, he, when he's up on the mountaintop, it says he comes back down a couple chapters later and it says his face shone with the glory of God, right? He comes down, he comes back from being with Jesus. And he, he looks different, right? He looks different. His face shines in a different way than prior to when he was with God. Yeah. And so, man, I think that that is like something that I so often have been like, man, I just want to meet with God face to face. I just want to experience what Moses did. I want to experience what he did on the mountaintop. I want to see those things. And I so often forget that because Jesus died on the cross I don't have to wonder what that experience was like. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to talk to Moses and hear what that's like. I literally can pitch my tent. I don't have to pitch it outside of anywhere. I can pitch it anywhere I want. I can be with God anywhere I want because of what Jesus did. 
And so, so what I want, I feel like the Lord was even saying, and this is something he gave me a while ago when he brought it back. And, and, and when we pitch a tent with God, we're, we're, we're making a place for us to be with him. You know, it says Joshua was in there with him because that God uses Joshua later on in the Bible. But most of the time, Moses would have been by himself or just with Joshua. That is his time with God. And so I don't get to, to go into, you know, Francis Chan's tent, just sit and watch, right? What's, that's not, I don't get that opportunity. I don't even get to go in, in Brennan or Jonah or Brian. I don't get to go and just like be in their tent in the background. Because God desires to have a tent of meeting with each and every single one of us. And along with the fact that he's asking us to start to take responsibility for our part in the movement that he is doing through our family, Man, he's saying that it's time for us to stop riding on other people's revival. It's time for us to stop trying to like sneak into other people's tents so we would maybe get a little bit of the glory and look a little bit different so we'd be able to sneak by and people wouldn't know any different that we don't spend any time Monday through Friday with Jesus. Come on. And, and, and what he kept saying, what the Lord kept saying to me is that revival, it is caught in community like this. I met Jonah. And he carried something, and my life has never been the same. I caught this revival from my time spent with Jonah. But re revival is caught in community, but it's sustained in intimacy. It's sustained in your tent of meeting with God. No one else can sustain the intimacy that you have with Jesus. I can't rely on secondhand revelation and 400 YouTube servants from, from Francis Chan to sustain my intimacy with Jesus. I have to physically be spending time with him. And that time with him, when I lower my gates, I lower my pride. I say, God, search my heart. Here I am. Send me. He's going to send me out from that place shining, looking different. I've seen this happen in my own life. I've seen it so often. I, I, I've shared this story with somebody, with some of you guys. But um, when I was a freshman in college, so like five, five years ago, um, uh, I, I went to a small Christian school in Minnesota, and I went through like a really hard, you know, went to went to college with a girlfriend and broke up, and um, yeah, boo, yeah. married now, yeah. Uh, but I went to college with a girlfriend, and broke up. I was really, really sad. I ended up like falling into this like crazy bad depression, um, and I like had no idea. Like I grew up a Christian, but I had like no idea how to get out of it. Um, and I remember reading this passage. And deciding, like, man, I, I gotta find a tent. I gotta do something. I gotta I gotta be with God. And so I, I got like that little wooden dorm chair that I, I bet a lot of you guys have, a little desk chair. I, I had that chair and I got really lucky that in my dorm room in the morning the sun would shine like right into the middle of my dorm room. Um, and they say like when you're struggling with depression, sunlight's really good for you. So I was like, oh this works. And so I grabbed my chair and then my roommate would get about like six for football lifts or something, and I would set it in the middle of the room. And I would just sit with God. I had one of those little Jesus calling books that all of your mothers who know Jesus probably have. Yeah, my mom gave me one of those. So that's, that's literally all I did. All I did for like two and a half months, I would, I would get up. I would sit in the middle of my room in the sun in my wooden chair. I would do my best to get through one little snippet of devotional in the Jesus calling book. And then that literally would be the only thing that would sustain me for the rest of my day and keep me going in those moments. And eventually the Lord brought me out of the depression, which is awesome. I haven't experienced that since that freshman year. But, but I physically could tell the days in which I would miss that. There was just no chance. 
in that moment that I had. And so then I learned to do that in my own life and I haven't been perfect at it. And as I've learned new rhythms, I just moved into a new place. And so now my tent of meeting with the Lord is on the left side of my bed with the lamp on, shades down, co cup of coffee in my hand. Like there's just like physical things that I do to be with Jesus. And so what I, what I, what I want to encourage you to do is like, man, would you tomorrow, if you haven't already, would you pitch, pitch a tent with God? Would you find a space? I'm saying like, grandma's closet at 7 a.m. I don't care where, but like, would you find a physical space that you can go and be with God? And your time with God is not limited to that space, but you learning to be with him there and to allow him to transform your life there is gonna allow you to find him in other areas that much more easily. I, I found that happened this summer when I was on tour and I was in like 17 million different bedrooms like every single night. We were at a new person's house it was awesome, but I had to learn a new rhythm, but I had already learned what it was like to be with him so I could carry that. When my, when my schedule was interrupted or when my time was different, I still knew that that was a priority and I sustained that time with him. And so that's the first thing, man, would you pitch a tent with God? And he is asking you because he wants to be with you and he wants to show you everything that he showed Moses and probably a whole lot more because we have access to the Holy Spirit. If we think that what Moses saw is out of our reach, we're wrong. We're probably seeing a lot of it right now in this community is the craziest thing. And so, man, would maybe tomorrow your part, and I promise you, honestly, this is, I was going to say that it's not true, because your part in this is to find a place with God. Mm -hmm. Whatever your part to play in the movement that he is doing in this community starts with pitching a tent with him, mm -hmm. if you haven't already. And if you have, awesome. Continue to, to protect that space. And it's okay if you miss a day or you, but like, Man, the more you desire that and the more you spend time with him, the more he's going to honor that and the more he's going to transform the things of your life. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Number two, last one. Uh, Exodus 33, back to it. Let's see. Starting verse 12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, look, you have told me to lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and you have also found favor with me. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you so that I might find favor with you. And I feel like God is saying, man, do you pray the things that the people of the Bible pray? So often we are praying for good grades. God, help me find a job. Lord, help my sick family member. Protect my family from the hurt. Like, all these things, right? And those aren't bad things. God cares about those things, and those are good things to pray for. But so often I read the Bible, and Moses is asking God, teach me your ways. He doesn't say, you know, teach me your ways. And could you give me some more food for the people? And, and could you like, give me a, could I get a map for like where we're going? And could you, could you maybe help them just figure it out so I don't have to be their leader as much? They can just kind of figure. No, he just says, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. He says, I don't want to go there if, if you don't want to go with me. And it brings me to my pretty much ultimately is not like my favorite verse in the Bible is Matthew 7 which is said it's like 7 7 through 12 it's asking it will be given to you knock the door will be open seeking you will find it and again that's a cursive one that's probably on some people's walls but man if that's true why are we not asking God for more intimate time with him why, why are we not asking God to, to, to give us the desires, to give us the desire to be with him, to give us people who are, are, are can cross our path and meet. Why, why are we asking God 
for, for things that in the end eternally don't matter. Because the people in the Bible, they kind of get it. The ones who like truly, they, they're just praying to be more like him. Make me more wise. Make me more like you, God. Show me more of your face. Show me your, like, they're just asking for more sides and faces of God. They're not asking for their, their life to be easier. And so often we pray for, for our lives to be easier. We pray for God to, to do more physically in our life than we ask to know him more. And so when, when, when I started to realize this in my own life, um, this was like last year, uh, my new tent of meeting was my desk and um, it was at 6 a.m. I just like wanted to, to know God. I wanted to be in relationship with him and I wanted to pursue him. So I was like, God, I'm gonna get up at six. I'm gonna read the Bible until I like it. <laughs> And, man, I did not like it. I did not. I started, got up, 6 a.m., groan, flip over. Okay, I'm going to get up, get up, make coffee, sit down at the table, open like Matthew because it's the best. Um, and I would just read, and I would, like, get bored in two minutes. I'm like, I'm just tired. I want to go to bed. This sucks. But, I, but, I, but every, every day before I would start, I would say, God, give me the desire to read your word. I said, Holy Spirit, Make me want to do this because I do not. He knows. He knows you're bored. You have to pretend like, oh, this is the best time of the day. And you're like falling asleep. Like he knows these things, right? And so I was like, God, would you, would you, would you give me a desire to read your word? Because I know I need it, but I don't like it. And, and the first week, no, no desire. 30 minutes was the, like the hardest, longest time of my life. I would just like go back to bed tired, didn't see anything. And I was like, no, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so I woke up the next week and I did it. 6 a.m., coffee, sit down. God, give me a desire to read your word. Nothing, right? Friday of the second week, almost two full weeks, I'm still praying. I'm still doing it and nothing's happening. I sit down, coffee, 6 a.m. God, please give me a desire to read your word. I just want to know you. I know I need this. And I started reading. I was reading. I was reading and I was just like writing notes, and I like kind of started to get into it. I was like, oh, this is nice. So I was like writing, reading notes. I was like putting little sticky notes in my Bible and things, like as Christians too, right? And and I, I, I like was like writing, I looked up, and I was like reading through the Old Testament at this point. I was like, this is new for me. Like this is my answer to my prayer, right? I looked up and I looked at the clock, and it was 9 a.m. And it literally had felt like I had been there for like 15 minutes. And I, and I had spent three hours just absolutely consuming the word of God with joy, like in my heart, like genuine joy. And in that moment, I literally said to myself, I was like, the Bible is true. Come on. Because that's what it said. It says, asking you shall receive. I asked, I asked, I asked, and I got, but I wasn't asking for things that were not within his will. I was asking so that I could know him better, so that I could look more like him. And so in that, like, man, our are we asking God for the things that are going to help us look more like him? Because honestly, if you're praying for something, like if you're praying for a job or for something, whatever, like, and it's not happening for you, I don't know why it's not happening, but maybe ask the Lord, like, man, is this going to make me look more like you? Is this going to help me be a better lover of Jesus and lover of other people? Is what I'm asking for truly in your will? Or do I need to sit before you and say, God, give me the desire to be in your word an hour a day. Give me the desire to be submissively humble to you. Give me the desire to, to ask the Holy Spirit before I ask my friends and family. Like, are we asking God for these things? And sometimes it takes the discipline to do it for two weeks, to do it for three weeks, to do it for three months. Because, man, if you do it for two days and you stop doing it, did you want to do it in the first place? Yeah. Probably not. 
Did you, did you actually, he says, the Bible says it gives us the desires of our heart. And man, if you have a desire to know him better and you just struggle to get there, he'll get you there if you ask him. He will get you there if you ask him. But man, if that's not fully a desire, like he won't take you somewhere you don't want to go with him. And so, man, the two things that I feel like the Lord is saying is, man, pitch a tent with God. Would you pitch a tent with God? And man, do not wait till three years down the road where someone maybe gives the same message and they're like, oh, finally it clicks. Like, do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Do it for three weeks. Genuinely try. I promise you he'll meet you. He will meet you. I promise you. I'll give you your money back if he doesn't. Like, I promise you, he will meet you. Okay? And two, will you ask God, start to ask God for things that make you look more like him? Let's make our prayer time more about Jesus than it is about ourselves. Right? Because if you ultimately start to look more like him, you're going to glorify him better. And so tonight, man, the band can come back up. Wherever the band is. Hey, man. man, I love the band. So cool. So we're going to enter back into worship. Um, it's eight. If you have to go, go. If you don't, stay. Um, and so, man, what I want us to do is I want us to stay in this place, and I want us to start with step one. Okay? I want us to, in this moment, ask the Lord, man, would, would you show me areas of my life? Would you show me areas that, man, I just have been comfortable in conviction? That I have come day, and honestly, I said that, you probably know. It's probably in your head. Okay, I knew. I always knew. I was like, yep, I know what he's talking about. But I was like, yeah, search me, God. Search me. I, I knew. Like, we all, he knows, right? And so, so would you ask the Lord, would you ask the Lord, man, show me those areas that I need to genuinely be transformed in. And then would you have enough humility to let it? Would you say, God, you are worth two hours of my day. My tent is going to be the living room. Would you say, God, you're worth me looking more like you than you are worth me getting this job? Would you say those things? Because ultimately, do we truly believe he is who he says he is? And would we let that transform who we are? Because I I think this is, I feel like this is aggressive, but I feel like the Lord is saying it. So, like, do you really believe that if we don't let it change the actions that we take? That's what he's been saying to me. He's like, Peyton, if you continue to struggle with sexual sin, do you believe what I say? Do you believe that? You can be free from it. Do you, Peyton, if you, if, you, if you continue to get distracted and maybe spend three days a week with me, do you believe that time with me is the best thing for you? And if you don't believe that, do you believe that I'm Jesus? The man who died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that I am the risen? So, like, do we believe these things? And maybe you've grown up your whole life and you've grown up in church and so you've kind of just like, you believe it and it's like, it like sits down here and it's just kind of a part of who you are, but it hasn't really changed a lot of who you are anymore. And man, tonight, would you allow the Lord to show you those areas that you have let grow numb or that you have let stay steady in conviction? And so we're going to enter back into a time of worship. If you have to go, go. If you don't have to go, please stay and allow the Lord to change your life.